Hi, my name's Shelley Flett. Welcome to the Dynamic Leader Podcast, where I share insights, experiences, successes, and failures with leaders from across a broad range of industries and business structures. I maintain that each of us needs to be open to sharing our experiences and making the leadership playground safe enough to fail, to grow, to have fun, and ultimately become more dynamic. So please sit back and enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another Dynamic Leader Conversation. So today we're talking about transitioning our career and understanding what's required to do that and work more holistically. And my guest today is Amalia Chilianis, who is a career and capability development expert and has more than 25 years experience working in and with large, complex, global and national organizations. Very exciting. So thanks so much for joining me today, Amalia. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you, Shirley. Thanks for having me. Great to have a conversation about something that I think is so topical at the moment. Um, and, you know, every every week I'm getting emails to say, um, you know, there's a lack of talent. Um, it's really hard to find people who have got the skills and, uh, and what is needed, and it's even harder to retain. So I think this conversation is quite timely from an employee's perspective in that there probably hasn't ever been a better time to uh, apply for a new role or make a career change. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, unemployment's at a at a ten year low. You know, at the moment, the latest ABS stats are at four point six percent, and it ha- you know it hasn't been that low for over ten years. Um, so we're you know, and that's just been continually dropping. And there's shortages right across the board. There's shortages in this, you know, in the high, highly skilled, highly educated market, but also at the other end of the spectrum as well. I mean, businesses that can reopen are struggling to reopen because mm. they can't find hairdressers or they can't find bar and restaurant staff. Mm. So it's it's really tough right across the board. I've even got a client in the UK that was telling me that. Um, they've already been warned to not expect to be able to order everything they want for Christmas because they don't have enough truck drivers. I mean, they call it lorry drivers over there, but they don't have enough lorry drivers. So don't expect all of your Christmas presents to be able to be shipped because, you know, they rely on migrant workers who have all gone home to different parts of Europe or wherever they were from. Mm. And, you know, then there's just not the the workers in order to, to do the work. IT in particular, most organisations are struggling to either hire or and or retain. Mm. And we've also seen a trend whereby people hung on mm. in the early stages of COVID. 18 months in, people are tired. And so mm. the market's so hot, that lucky to have a job mentality that sometimes employers can bank on, mm. it's unsustainable from the human condition, psychologically, you can't sustain it. So we're seeing that trend now that that is waning and organisations are having real spates of mass re- resignations. The next prediction or concern for many organisations as well is when travel opens up, <laughs> they will have a mass exodus. <laughs> and so, again, what do they do when staff, rightly so, want to take the leave that they're owed, which you're your PL says we don't want that sitting mm. there, so we want them to take it. But at the same time, how do we cope with masses of staff being away? Um, so it's a real yeah. challenge. 
huge challenge and um, really nice if you're on the employee end where you can go, you know, I feel like there's something else that I want in my career and I'm not sure that this is where I want to be for the rest of my life and now is the perfect time to start to go, well, what does that look like? And I think your book, Worker Holistic, um, helps to bring that to the surface. Yeah, look, that was my goal, was to help as many people as possible. And what do they say, that old saying, you you teach what you need to learn. And, you know, a 25-plus year career working for multiple organisations from, you know, IBM to government to PricewaterhouseCoopers to Energy, a whole range of organisations and Holden, of course, um, you know, I kept finding either A, I was repeating the same mistakes or B, I would enjoy a job, but then it would lack that meaning and satisfaction. And mm. so it was really exploring, well, why? Why am I mm. here again, you know? Yeah. And, and how can I stop history repeating itself? Yeah, yeah. I, I want to go into that a little bit deeper. But before I do that, I am curious about how it is the program that you um, were part of with GM Holden saw almost 90% of a 3,000 uh, worker um, population get gainful employment after their closing. How, how does that's amazing? How does that even happen? Yeah, look, it was definitely a, a team effort. Myself, um, my colleague Sally and Dennis, the three of us were really the, the driving force and also the creators of the program. And there was a number of things that made this program different. And as far as we can tell, it is the most successful of its kind. Uh, we had a very strong underpinning of wellbeing. We had a, a genuine concern, which was supported by the organisation, but a genuine concern for people's well-being and health, and that underpinned everything that we did. And we were able to set a really clear goal. You know, what's quite different, I suppose, because the whole industry was closing, is that we could have an open, shared goal that we wanted a successful outcome for our employees. And that was very different. Um, we were asking our suppliers to check in on our people and tell us when they were gainfully employed. They'd never had that before. Mm. They'd never been asked to record that information. It was never important before. So there was a whole a whole shift. And we did a lot of things around people's whole of person and well-being, health and fitness. We involved family members as well um, in the support. Mm. Uh, so there was a, a lot of things that made it different. And also a big key was reskilling. So we invested money towards helping people to reskill, but we also helped them in making sure that what they were choosing to reskill in was actually going to get them where they wanted to be because sometimes we don't know enough to know what that is. And so we, we set that up that they had, they, at first they felt it was a little bit onerous, but after a while they realised we were helping them mm. rather than putting more hurdles in their way. That's fabulous. And I think um, it's really interesting about reskilling because often people will discount that if I don't already know it at my age in my career. But I read some research a couple of years ago that it only takes around six months to reskill in something brand new, um, obviously depending on the you know, complexity of it. But six months to learn a new skill seems, seems achievable, seems doable. Is that part of that mindset shift that you kind of have to get people into? 
Absolutely. It's, a, it's definitely a mindset as, as far as being open and willing to continually learn. And the thing is, people do anyway. They're just not conscious of it. Uh, so we're, we're always learning. That's human nature. But being more open to it and being more open to change. I mean, unfortunately, the human brain is wired for the laziest path possible. Yes. Right. And so we really have to be conscious of putting in that extra effort to form new neural pathways. But you're absolutely right. And at the moment, with the government support behind Skills for Jobs, there are so many courses that are either for free or, you know, there are other ways that you can pay for them in that, you know, it doesn't have to be a costly exercise. You're right. It doesn't have to be a long exercise. And the other thing I would also encourage people to do, you just have to start, especially in a tight employment market. As long as you're underway with a qualification, employers will be open to that. Yeah, yes. absolutely. So they're, they're very supportive. Most, not all, but most will be mm-hmm. absolutely open as long as you started. Mm. Yeah, that's great. And a lot of the um, theme around well-being um, that you talk about with the work that you did with Jam Holden comes through in your book as well. Um, definitely see, I think the first half of the book is very much focused on what are you thinking and where are you at? And I'm curious about, you know, why is it important for people to be in a job that's right for them um, as opposed to just being a job that's going to be convenient, it's appropriately located it provides you with the right salary that you can live a, a, a nice lifestyle you know what's what's the importance of actually doing something that's right for you there's enough science and research now behind uh, a number of facets of both um, neuroscience and psychology that tell us what the human condition needs for satisfaction mm. and, and and meaning Right. And so in order for you to be satisfied, as I said earlier, you can get that initial satisfaction for it pays the mortgage, it pays the rent, it's nice and convenient, you know, that will last for a certain amount of time. But it's, again, it's, it's unsustainable for longer term satisfaction. Everybody needs a certain, and psychologically this has been proven, you need certain factors for human condition to, to be motivated. You know, and you, you need to be motivated to get up and spend eight hours or whatever it is that you're doing every day at that job. Mm-hmm. And so some of the things that you'll need will be certainly you know, some sense of autonomy, some sense of belonging, but also some confidence in your own capability to do the work. You'll also need some level of challenge. So you don't need to have what that concept of flow all the time, but you need to have it some of the time in what Mm. you do. And you don't get flow without a little bit of challenge. So if you're doing a job and the same work that you've done for over, for many years, and there is no challenge left in that, Boredom will set in, lethargy will set in, and you will find your motivation levels waning. So it will be ultimately unsatisfactory. The other thing that can cause some of the biggest problems, two of the biggest problems I see, and why you spend so much time in the book on yourself before you go and action where you want to go, is one, you can have the most amazing job and you could love every part of it. But if it conflicts with this, it's something else that is really important to you in your life, another life priority, such as family, such as relationships, 
it will be unsatisfying. So you will resent that. And, you know, I've seen that firsthand. Senior leaders who businesses have closed down and they would turn around to me and say, I gave two marriages to this organisation and now I don't have a job. And that's real life. That happens. Mm. Mm. And so that's the other thing that, you know, is a sort of all the, I'm hoping to share all that experience so that people can learn from others to mm. say, okay, um, and you'll know it for yourself. You'll know when work starts impacting, you're not having dinner with the with the kids or you're so strained that you're grumpy and you're mean to your partner or, you know, you'll know when work is having that negative impact and that yeah. becomes unsatisfactory, even though you might love what you do. So, yeah, so that's really, you know, that's really important that side of things working out what's what else is important to you in your whole of life and work needs to enable that and Mm. not take away from it and not um we're we're not uh, required to make sacrifices in most industries we're not required to make sacrifices just for you know the the sake of our job and that um you know the what we want to do we're doing because it does intrinsically motivate us it is something that you know we get up in the morning and go, yes, this is what I want to do, as opposed to trying to convince ourselves of the reasons that I should be grateful for my job and it does pay the bills and it does. You know, I find some people will um, start their day every day talking themselves into why they're doing what they do uh, without giving any consideration to, we've got a choice here. You can actually transition. You can make the move. Um, What do you, where do you start with, with people like that, Who you know, people who are, talking themselves into this is right I shouldn't I shouldn't be ungrateful I should be just thankful that you know what I've got is okay where do you start to kind of support them to shift their thinking those they're probably the toughest people to work with to be honest because you actually need to have come to that decision you need you know the thought process around contemplation Um, you need to have come to a decision to to act and if people are stuck in that rumination contemplation wheel Mm. not much I can do will move them out of it they have to actually get to that decision themselves Mm. but I do get them to use a couple of techniques to unpick that a little deeper so whether that's using an analogy you know really think about their job like a relationship or, you know, or another analogy, whatever works for them. But to think about it, using an analogy in any coaching scenario can distance the individual from the problem, but also help them look at it from a number of angles and perspectives. So we're looking at what do they value about that, you know, job? How are they treated? But also what are the things that, you know, upset them? You know, would they introduce them to their family or replace themselves with someone else they care about? That's really helpful too because we're often not that kind to ourselves. Mm. Um, But say it was our, you know, our sibling or it was our child or it was our best friend and put them in the scenario you're in and, you know, what advice would you give them? You know, would you say they deserve better? Would you say they're capable of more? And sometimes it's you just you need that light bulb moment for themselves to click on and then once they've made that decision, okay, let me do something about it and I always start safely Mm -hmm. so it's trying very small steps 
because they had again they have to learn for themselves so I, I had a client I was helping recently who you know she's mid-50s she you know oh people are going to think I'm past it all of this sort of thing and I said you these are stories you're telling yourself have you actually had a conversation with people you trust first mm-hmm. and you know she started just doing one or two small things and lo and behold she's uncovered two or three opportunities and she hasn't put in a lot of effort yet right so it's just starting and just trying a little bit builds that momentum the um you you just prompted me to recall um another technique uh, as well which is you know what's your what's your belief and then where's the data to match that and particularly with that i'm too old um theory um is that where's the data to suggest that you can't uh, where's the data in your own life have you actually experienced that yourself um and usually what you're looking for you'll find so if you're looking for people that haven't been successful in reskilling or or whatever um, as they've uh, got older then um you know does that actually reflect reality and would that be your experience as well so i like the idea of just well if you change positions um what does that do i think it's very powerful Mm. um you talk about in your book you've got a section where you talk about um the putting blame on others uh, and it really caught my attention because i have this um i guess i'm have this adverse reaction to when i hear blaming (laughs) particularly in my own house with my children um and i'll often (laughs) say stop blaming each other just take responsibility for the part that you played but um talk to us about blaming and how that can kind of hold us back yeah, look, you can get stuck in that in that loop, I think. And particularly it can hold you back if you're holding on to that and you're trying to make a change. Mm. And people think that they it comes out. It comes out in interview, it comes out just even in informal discussions and other people pick it up. So if you haven't addressed that blame and the fact that you are blaming others you know we all have a part to play in Mm. whatever the scenario was and the reality is life can life and work can be unfair sometimes absolutely that is valid Mm. um but you know and that's not fair and but it's what we actually do about it so it's okay to be upset about it and and have that whatever you need to do to get it out but you can't hold on to it and you need to find a way to resolve it within yourself and move and move forward mm. and, and see what you can do. Because unfortunately, the only person that suffers with that blame is you. Yeah. Not, not the other person. I love that. <laughs> I think that's so, so powerful and so important. And I've sat in uh, numerous interviews where I've seen that come through with candidates that you're like, oh, it doesn't sound like they're too happy with how things um, ended or that they're, um, you know, potentially looking outside of themselves for who's responsible for me having to do this. And, and you don't hire them. They're just not appealing. There are others that are not like that, that you definitely gravitate to. So um, yeah, unless you're the top talent, <laughs> in which case you're probably unlikely to blame anyway. Unlikely, very unlikely. You probably are top talent because you've taken responsibility and moved yeah move forward yeah absolutely now you talk about pause play and rewind frames tell us more about that 
I firmly believe that if you want to make a shift to something really different, you actually need a pause. And whether people are on board with with mindfulness or not, you can't disagree with the concept of focused attention. Yeah. And that's what it needs. And, you know, when you're in the washing machine and the world of work and, you know, can feel like a washing machine sometimes, especially if you've been in it for a while, you know, you see the cycles, um, you know, I, I, I don't, you can't get out of the washing machine when you're in it. You actually have to step out for a little bit and it's in whatever way you can. Of course, some people can't afford to take a, a big time out. But it is setting aside some clear time for clear thinking. It is actually sometimes having a break from thinking about it Mm. in order to come back to getting clarity of mind. Um, I love the concept of play. You know, in the the book, one of my stories is about um, Sandy, who, you know, now publishes a women's magazine. She was a storyteller from the age of four. You know, when she was playing games, she would tell stories and it is still her greatest strength. And Mm. so you can tell a lot from people about how they used to play as children um, and the benefits of play now as adults that we we feel like we've made this choice that we we're adults now so therefore we we don't play but there are so many benefits from play that Mm. I really feel we should try and introduce some of it in some way you know even if it's as simple as you know playing with the with the puppy or playing with your children or those sorts of things I think it's really important. Absolutely. I love the concept of play. And I actually um, saw the quote in there. I forget who it was from that um, one hour of play equals a a year's worth of conversations in terms of getting to know someone. I thought that is so true. You learn so much about people when, when you're in that play space. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, from a leadership perspective as well, a lot of the leaders, you know, I'd say, talk to me about how you used to play. And they're like, I was always the one directing the game, you know. <laughs> I was always the one setting up the rules and I was, you know, <laughs> picking the teams. And it's like, yeah, yeah not much has changed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so then rewind. What is rewind? How That's one thing we can't really do is rewind things and do over. What do you mean by rewind? I rewind one of the most it's a pretty simple activity, but one of the most powerful activities that, that I've come across is having a look at your past work history. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for people who've maybe been out of the workforce as well, it's just looking at the things that you have done uh, and working out what was both positive and negative from them. Mm-hmm. And by that reflection activity, you're looking, you're, you really undoubtedly themes will come through as to what are the things I want more of and want to move towards and what are the things I want to to minimize and easily you will see a theme and even with only sort of five plus years of experience Mm. you will be able to see a theme of you know what it is that that you're looking for in in what's next. So tell me a little bit more about that because you talk about um, you talk about values, you talk about strengths as well um, and, you know, um, aligning. 
how do we, and then looking at the, the workplace and the environment, we're constantly changing and this whole concept of can we continue to challenge ourselves and build our resilience around things and broaden our skill set, et cetera, is, is knowing what you like and what you don't, knowing what your strengths are and what you don't, and then sticking to those, is that sustainable? Or do we need to have this mix of there's enough in here that I like and that motivates me as well as there are things I'm not good at and perhaps I don't like that I can build skills on that will then help me to remain relevant into the future? Yeah, look, it's definitely going to be a mix and you, you really can't take that sort of Pollyanna approach of I'm only going to, you know, every job, regard, you know, every job um, has things that you enjoy and things that you don't. So my, my advice is reasonably pragmatic around you just need to have more of the things that you enjoy and be using your strengths and capabilities, the, again, what you enjoy using. Because I'm, I'm a whiz at PowerPoint. I'm brilliant, 25 years of corporate. I can whip out a PowerPoint like no one. But if I'm doing that every day, I'm bored out of my brain, you know. So it's, you know, you've got to, um, you've you've got to, it's just as long as it's more often than not, you know, if you're stuck in something where it's draining the life out of you and sometimes you feel it before you know it, Um, it drains the life out of you you know you're doing stuff yeah sure you're capable of it but there's no challenge left in it or I'm really bored with this now Um, then that's going to be unsatisfactory so as as long as your pendulum is swinging to the more often than not Mm. then it's going to be it's going to be satisfying but I think sometimes we um, mistake the feeling of um, this is really hard and challenging me and I don't like it it's boring. I think sometimes there's this really fine line between, well, is it that or is it because are you bored by it because it does challenge you and then should you stick with that or are you really good at this and okay with it and is that the, is that the truth? Like um, I think, yeah, sometimes it can be a very, can be a little bit blurred. Absolutely. So, my, look, you know, mindset definitely comes into it. So you do really need need to check that. And like with everything, there's extremes. So, um, yes, it's it's too challenging, or I'm not good at it straight away. And so we we can have that mindset or tendency to, you know, withdraw from it because it's uncomfortable. Um, however, there is also such a thing as stupid grit which is I persevere in an unwinnable situation, that's stupid as well. So there is extremes um, and, you know, there's never a hard and fast rule, but there are some situations, you know, for any of us that have had the joy of working with a narcissist, you know, and a narcissist who owns the company, is that going to be, you know, is that something that you're ever really going to be able to change? Not likely. Right, so you really got to understand the system within which you work, and what is worth persevering with, and pursuing, and continuing on with that challenge, and what situations, you know, you won't. I often talk about, you know, it, the house always wins if you're going to the casino. Right, the odds are stacked against you. Right, so you need to understand that system that you're playing within, and 
you know, what absolutely there are things you can change and influence and, and persevere and overcome. Mm. But you need to understand those those odds and, and what the chances of that are. It's awareness, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And um, in terms of people being able to build their awareness as a as a coach, and I'm sure you find this as well, that's one of the one of the things that we do really well is just help to raise awareness around, you know, what are you seeing, how are you seeing it, and what are the alternatives. Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? And particularly, you know, in the world of work, I think that concept of political acumen has a bit of a dirty word, almost like sales, you know. Sometimes people seem to have this dirty connotation, but in actual fact, some element of it is necessary, especially if you are keen to advance your career or you're trying to position yourself differently to make a change. Mm. You do need to be able to read other people and understand the dynamics at play and understand who you need to influence and who you need to engage with and all those sorts of things. So it, it's not a dirty word. It's, mm. it's necessary. And absolutely, as an individual, you're looking for a win-win. You know, you yeah. want to benefit the organisation you you work for. Um, but, you know, it's a contract and it's a give and take and the win should hopefully be mutually beneficial. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. So um, I guess part of changing careers is about putting yourself out there. And, you know, one of the things that I talk to a lot of clients about who are looking to change careers is, how are you positioning yourself in the market? Um, and so I love your thoughts on LinkedIn and how important that is because I'm a firm believer that, you know, LinkedIn is, is a, a massive resource that um, can really help with your, your branding and your positioning and, um, and ideally if you can get employers to come to you as opposed to you going to them, then that's ideal. But I love your thoughts on it. You've worked more in the space than I have. Yeah, look, absolutely. LinkedIn is a massively powerful tool. And for anyone wanting to make a change, particularly, you know, more so in the white-collar field, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, LinkedIn is a tool that you really can't afford not to be not to be using. And the, and the thing that I encourage people to do as well is, Absolutely, it needs to be factual, right? But it is not. It is not a biography, right? And you need. You absolutely have license to show people the pieces that are relevant to where you want to go. Again, the human brain will. We organize and sort things every day. We're a meaning making, meaning seeking, sorting machine. That's what mm. we do. We have to. There's so much data coming at us all the time that we have to constantly sort. And so you can imagine someone assessing you to make a change is looking at your background and putting you in a nice little category of a box. And so you have to show that. You're, you can fit into that new box you want to move into because there's pieces of your background and experience that can move you in that way. So it's okay to play around with your titles. It's okay to make sure. I used to have people endorsing me for skills all the time in, a, in an area that I don't want to be doing any more work in. Yeah. You know, and so you really, you need to take a little bit of, of control of that, but it is a great tool. It's a great way to get connected to other people, to get introduced to others. I mean, it certainly does. And more and more um, people are 
using LinkedIn, employers mm. are approaching candidates directly. We used to see that that was really only at the senior levels, but I, but I am hearing now that it's very much happening in that middle level now as well. And, and again, definitely. yeah, and again, probably ties back to that shortage of talent. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, you know, uh, my prediction will be there will be less of a less, I mean, Seek is still an amazing tool, um, but I think, you know, LinkedIn is certainly um, going great bounds from as far as their jobs um, posting is concerned, mm. but also as far as people just contacting um, potential mm. candidates directly. What do you think about the, um, uh, you know, there's a few people that I know that uh, only get on LinkedIn and actively use it when they're looking for a job. And I think, you know, that's probably a little bit too late. I sort of encourage them to use it regularly and um, contribute to conversations and, and be actively involved. And it doesn't take much, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, completely agree. I mean, people can see that as well that you're only active you know and it does need to be a bit of a given a give and take and and that contribution to other articles and you're right it's a very quick and easy tool to engage with it you know it only takes you know you could spend 10 minutes on it you know once or twice a week and at least that would get you you know continually active probably twice a week would be mm. ideal but yeah. um, at least once a week um you know should be and there's great resources on there, you know, good little articles, good tips, good videos. It's also an easy way to just keep keep up to date with some of the trends and the questions that, you know, other like professionals are facing. Um, so, you know, it is actually an easy way to stay up to date as well. So there's another win yeah. there by being able to see what other companies are doing or see what other companies are hiring. You see the trends and all those sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, it's actually really helpful in that way. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of it. I learned so much from it. I don't watch a great deal of mainstream media. It's all very much the information and what's happening across the globe generally comes through LinkedIn um, with the selection of other um, you know, avenues, but um, there's it's free. It's, it's an amazing way to connect with people and I've connected with people I would never, ever have met um, outside of the platform. So, you know, it's an amazing resource and I think um, also helps to... Um, keep you up to date with what's happening in your industry and your role and, and globally, not just locally. So huge resource. Mm, definitely. So um, I guess the, the final question I have is really around that interview process. Um, and, you know, I, I sort of think interview, interviewing is a little bit like a muscle where, and a little bit like running, you know, you can't just go out and do one where you probably can and, and have a good, <laughs> have a good run, but you know, it, being able to interview well and consistently actually requires practice. Um, and so um, what's your view on people just getting, getting interviews just as practice? Oh, I completely agree with you. And even seasoned professionals get rusty after just, you're right, it's the muscle that you, you need to use. I mean, it's not, it's not natural for us to talk about how good we are. And yet, in a way, that's what you have to do in the interview. So you actually have to get good at it. I, you know, I've coached people that had trouble saying I because they felt guilty that they were taking credit for things that the whole team did. And I'm like, but they want to know you. Mm -hmm. You know, you keep saying we 
in the interview and they're not clear on what you actually personally did. So you, you do need to practice because you might find those little things that, that you do um, or that you don't explain something really succinctly and to the point, but it's a massive achievement that, you know, you aren't being able to convey. So, mm. so that's really important. As well as preparing, you would know when you've interviewed people that haven't prepared, they don't have any questions for you as the, as the employer, um, they don't know much about the company, you know, that it's a as an employer, you're like, well, you're not really interested or you don't really want the job. So you really want to see that people are keen and that they want the job and they've done a little bit of research. Mm. And on the flip side, given that we are at our lowest unemployment rate of, you know, in the last decade, is it um, for any leader that is recruiting and looking for that top talent worth um, going on to LinkedIn profiles and learning a little bit more about the candidate so you've got some questions to ask them as well? Oh, look, absolutely. And you can tell when someone hasn't even looked at your resume or on the other side or, um, you know, asks you a question which kind of shows they don't know anything about you. So I think that is important if you are in a particularly tough market. You know, I know also from a lot of recruiters that um, they're offering candidates, but then they're withdrawing before they actually start because they're getting counter offered so quickly or they're getting a second offer at the same time. So it's a yes. it's a really tough market. So you want to build that rapport equally um, and build that you know, I talk about high quality connections in the book and high quality connections are very, you know, they're not difficult, um, but, you you know, she, she talks about, um, you, you know, that connection, which is can actually it also has a physical impact on individuals, but mm. you do need to find something that you might have in common with mm. that person, you know, mm. build that personal connection, look for something in their background that you can relate to and perhaps talk to. That that small action shows someone that you've taken a bit of time to take interest in them, that you value that, you know, find something interesting or unique or something in their background that you like. I mean, as employers, we we sometimes are quite careful because we don't want to give people too much of an idea that they've necessarily got the job because we want to manage expectations. Yeah. But at the same time, in a tough candidate market, if there's a candidate you think is good, you want to put your best foot forward as well and making sure that they're clear that you know you you like them you want them to be part mm. of the team you know it's back to those those basics which I think you know 10 even 15 years ago I think we had that mentality that we talked about earlier in the book that you know you have to make that sacrifice you know work is hard and therefore it should you know it it should you should sacrifice everything else, you know, and, um, and, and, you know, and, and you're lucky to have a job and I am the employer. So I have the power and it's just not the case anymore. It's not. And I've, I've never been a fan of that anyway. Um, I, I do think it needs to be, you know, we need to be in business. We need to, you know, we need to be commercially viable and sustainable financially, mm. but absolutely there's a way we can do it where both the company and the employees flourish. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're all adults and we're all human beings and we all, you know, have the right to have some kind of um, balance and, you know, a give and take. It's got to be it very much now and more than ever I see that workplaces are more of a partnership than they are of a you know an entitlement or a 
expectation that comes from the employer. Um, so it's really, it's great to see. I think it's the, the best that I've ever seen it, certainly in my career. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, COVID certainly has had a lot of drawbacks and been challenging in, in many ways, but there's certainly a lot of positives in it's It's really forced some changes. It's forced yeah. flexibility. It's, um, you know, it, it's, it's shifted that balance of power a, a little bit. And yeah. um, so I think there's some, there's some, definitely some positives that are going to come out, hopefully sustainably from how we work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having the conversation with us, Amalia. It's been really good. And I think um, your book is a really, as you say, it's a practical guide for um, changing your career. So, um, you know, if anyone, any of our listeners has been contemplating or thinking about changing your career, it's a really, um, it's a really easy read um, and with some great concepts and um, some good activities that I think that you can apply for that. So, um, yeah, definitely recommend that one. Um, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Thanks so much thank for joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks. Um, and yeah. Sorry. It's all right. No, no, I was just going to say that it's, it is on Amazon and Booktopia. It's an easy online order if people are interested. And that's, it's easy to find if you search workaholistic rather than my name, Amalia Chilianas, because that one's harder to get to. It is, it is. But people who want to connect with you directly, I will include your LinkedIn um, link in the, um, in the comments. And so they can reach out to you directly if they feel like they need that extra support in making a transition. Um, but, yeah, thanks again for joining us. And for everyone listening, thanks for... Um, tuning in and I look forward to another dynamic leader conversation with you soon thanks 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 again for listening to another episode of the dynamic leader there is no better time than now to work through your leadership and people strategy to establish what the future might look like for your business and how you might empower your people to help you succeed it is through building the capability of your people and reducing their dependency on you that will keep you moving forward at pace and we'll see you remaining relevant in the future. I have worked with over 100 businesses across almost as many industries and seen firsthand the challenges that come with employing, engaging and managing staff. If you're looking to improve how you lead, why not reach out for a conversation? In the meantime, thanks so much for joining me and stay awesome.